The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Acts chapter number 14 and finishing out this chapter together and just three verses together this morning. Acts chapter number 14 and we'll look at verse number 26 and it says this, and thence, and we're talking about Paul and Barnabas, and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work of which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened up or opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Our Father, we are indeed grateful this morning to be able to open up your word, your specific revelation to us. You wanted us to be able to read these verses, these many years after you put it into uh, book form for us. And Lord, we open up your word and we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Fill our cups, Lord. Lord, if we've uh, put anything into our lives, our cups, our appetites that uh, would dishonor you or would cause us not to be hungry in this hour, Lord, I pray that we'd realize that, repent of it, seek your forgiveness, and Lord, allow you to give us appetite for your truth this morning. Lord, we need it. Lord, you told Satan in your temptation that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Lord, you've placed us in this passage this morning, and I expect that and anticipate that you want to work in our church and in my life and our lives because we're here and we have your word. So speak to us, we pray. Lord, you know the needs that are represented in this congregation, both of the believers and the lost. Lord, I pray that you would meet each need that is represented here. Speak to our children, speak to our teens, speak to every adult. We pray in Jesus' name, and we'll give you praise and glory. Amen. And you may be seated. We come to Acts chapter 14 at the end, and we find Paul and Barnabas finally going home. You remember, you know what it's like to go home after a long trip. You want to sleep in your own bed. I don't know if they had a, a, a bed back home they were looking forward to, but uh, no doubt they were looking forward to getting back to familiar faces and into their own home area, their home church back there in Antioch. And what a blessing it was after many, many miles, many, many trials along the way for them to finally arrive back in Antioch. They had been preaching the gospel in different cities for uh, in between one and two years. So that's uh, quite a long journey. Uh, They had faced many things along the way. No doubt they were weary. Uh, You know what travel does to you. And we travel in cars and planes and different ways like that, but no doubt they were weary after traveling uh, in, uh, uh, probably on foot, perhaps by animal, uh, some of it, but no doubt uh, much exertion has happened as they traveled along. And we come to this last part where God allows us to know how they would take what God has done on this missions tour, on this ministry gospel preaching tour, and how they would relay it back to their home church there at Antioch. 
And uh, I was telling Brother Caleb this morning, I really love going through the Bible because there's always different themes that come along. I will grant you, the last several weeks and, and maybe month, uh, it, it seems like we've, we've dealt the same thing. They went into the city, they preached the gospel, they were uh, faced persecution, many people believed, and they were either run out of the city or they're stoned, and it seemed like a repeated you know, thing going over and over and over again. But here we come to this last part. They're finally going back to their home church. And really what I want us to focus on is this matter of missions and our connection, our partnership with missions or gospel preaching missions. I was in a church uh, of really another doctrine. I I wasn't there worshiping. I I had to be in the building. And I was noticing their their missions board. And I was noticing how many of the uh, things that they were supporting as a church related to social work. I I very carefully am saying here this morning that we're going to focus on our partnership with with gospel-preaching individuals that go into the world to preach the gospel in obedience to the the Lord's command. So we, we, if you'll go through our our missionaries, you're going to notice that it's not social work, though though many missionaries engage in that as as a side, Uh, But the main focus of our missions program and the main focus of these missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, as they went out and preached the gospel was to do just that, to preach the gospel. Because how many of us understand this morning that you uh, you can engage in social work but leave a person unsaved and you've done them no good in eternity, right? It's not that believers are not caring, right? God encourages us to love our neighbor and to take care of needs and bear one another's burdens and so on. Love our neighbors. This is one of the highest commands that God has given us. But the main thing that Jesus left us to do is to preach the gospel. And so these guys are coming back home and they're going to catch up with their gospel partners back in the home church of Antioch of Syria. Not Antioch of Pisidia, but Antioch of, uh, of Syria where they had uh, grown in the faith, where they had been discipled, where they discipled others, where they worked together in the work of the ministry with their home church. And so the Holy Spirit narrates through Luke uh, some important and very practical insights for us in, in, in relating to Antioch and these missionaries that they had sent out, and now we're coming back. Notice how the Holy Spirit tells us in verse number 26 how he reflects on the will of God. He says, and as they, uh, as they came back in, look at verse number 20, uh, 26, and sailed thence to Antioch from whence they had been recommended, notice, recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. He reflects on the, the will of God. What was the will of God for Paul and Barnabas? What was the will of God for Antioch of Syria? Notice back in Acts 13 and verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord in that church, and fasted, the whole church together, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. For the work whereunto I have called them. It was a specific will of God that Paul and Barnabas would go out into these areas, over into Crete, to to Cyprus, up up into Perga, up into uh, Antioch of Pisidia, into all those places and preach the gospel. I want us to realize that the reach of the church of Antioch was up to the discretion of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Antioch did not wake up one day as a church, gather together in a meeting like we are gathered together and say, you know what, we really want to expand our influence into other parts of the world. And so, uh, let's see, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas, why don't you go? No, the Holy Spirit was the one through prayer and through fasting that said, I want you to go, and he expanded their influence because they're likely doing it so well at home. And so their influence was up to the discretion of the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And by the way, our influence is too. If God would choose to send you to another place, if he would call, do you know, I think we think sometimes that this is just a story in the Bible that this wouldn't happen, but do you know that God through prayer and fasting of the church could say to our church, separate me this person and this person for a work where unto I've called them in another city or another state? Do you believe that? Are you willing to be the one that God says? Are you willing to hear the voice of God? Are we willing to be still before the Lord to allow him to express his will? So they, they, they reflected on the will of God. How did we get to this point? How did we get to verse 26? Because God had made his will clear to the whole body. God has made his will clear to the entire church together as they sought the Lord in prayer and in fasting. Notice the will of God as it was revealed to them, according to this verse, was embraced with grace. It was embraced with grace. He says, from whence, from Antioch, they had been recommended to the grace of God. They had been recommended, they had been entrusted to the grace of God from Antioch. And it was just that, Antioch as a church, as they heard the Lord say, listen, I have a calling, I have a work for Barnabas and Paul to do. The church responded, well, Lord, we don't see how this is exactly going to work out. We haven't done this before. This is kind of new to us. But they simply said, Lord, we're entrusting them to your grace. We're entrusting them to your grace. Do you know that it takes grace to be a missionary? It takes grace to say, you know what, Lord, you're calling me. You're, you're making that clear through the church body that you have a calling on my life. It takes grace for them to entrust. It takes grace for the church to entrust. You know, sometimes churches will not step out and plant a church or churches will not step out and, uh, and, and get behind a missionary because they are not entrusting these people and themselves to the grace of God. They look at, they look at, life and they look at the work that God is calling them to do through their own limitations. That's why we've been praying, Lord, build our vision. We don't want to encase you in our own limitations. We want to entrust you, uh, entrust ourselves and those that you're calling uh, to your will, to your grace, allowing your power to be made known through their lives. So that's exactly what they did. They embraced the calling that God had on Paul and Barnabas. This was a church effort. They were going to come back and report to this church. This was a whole church effort. They're saying, Lord, would you take them? Would you use them? Would you empower them? Would you give them grace along the journey when there's, there's uh, uh, trials and struggles along the way? Would you give them the strength to endure through that? They recommended them to the grace of of God, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's grace all the way. It's grace to work. It's grace when God sends a person to another area to bring the gospel message. It's grace all the way. And they were entrusting Paul and Barnabas to the grace of God. I think that they were acknowledging that only by God's grace could the will of God be embraced. Now, what is it in your life today that God is calling you to do, wanting you to do in your family, in your workplace? anywhere. What is it today that God is wanting you today uh, to do that you need to say simply, Lord, I'm going to entrust this to your grace. 
I'm going to step forward and expect that your grace is going to be sufficient for me. Do you think Paul and Barnabas had some questions about this journey? Uh, Lord, if we go up there, that's a pagan area. Lord, the, I heard that the Jewish, uh, religious Jewish people up there are really hostile to the gospel. What's going to happen if we go up there and preach the gospel? Do you think they had any questions along the way? Sure they did. Do you think Antioch had any questions along the way? How much is this going to cost us as a church to get behind Paul and Barnabas? Do you think they had questions along the way? But God gives us the Holy Spirit's narrative that says they recommended them, they entrusted them to the grace of God. Oh, how we need to embrace the will of God with grace with grace. There's a song, and maybe you will uh, recognize it, but it goes like this. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he has multiplied peace. When we have exhausted the store of our endurance, right? When our strength has failed ere the day is half done. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that they need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on his arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure, his power, no boundary known among men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. He gives all the grace that we need. We'll never run out of the grace of God to accomplish the will of God. And here we find a church and a group of people, uh, Paul and Barnabas in specific, that were willing to, to entrust folks to the grace of God as well as be entrusted to the grace of God. And you know what? Much of what limits us in our own Christianity from stepping out and embracing the will of God is not trusting his grace, not believing that his grace will be sufficient. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9 that after God, uh, that he had besought God three times, three times to remove a thorn in the flesh that was causing him to struggle in the ministry, he finally learned from God that his grace was sufficient. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul's saying, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's a man who understood what it was to embrace the will of God with grace. God, I know that your grace will be sufficient. What is it that you need to say, Lord, I know that your grace will be sufficient. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to accomplish what you're calling me to do. I don't know what it's going to end up looking like but I'm going to trust your grace just like they did back at Antioch. That's what they did. God's grace will never run out. But notice it was also completed with grace. The will of God was completed with grace. In verse number 26, notice how those last three words, say, say it with me. Look at verse number 26, the last three words. Are you there? Say it with me. Which they fulfilled. One more time. Which they fulfilled. What did they fulfill? The work that God had called them to do back in Acts 13 and verse number 2. They fulfilled it. They completed it. They satisfied the will of God. Isn't that a great thought? Satisfying the will of God. And that's exactly what they did. They ended this missionary journey. Notice here on the map where, where all they went. They went some 500 to 700 miles. So you can estimate if you can follow that line there, if that's, um, that's visible to you. Uh, all the way to, down to Cyprus, up to Perga, across the... They preached all across that island. 
They sailed then up into Asia Minor and uh, went to Perga, up to Antioch of Pisidia, uh, Lystra, and up into the Lyconia area, Iconium, Derby. They're preaching the gospel all in those places. 500 to 700 miles. Now think about that. You get in your car and you think about that type of a trip, right? I'm going to travel 500 miles today. Brother Brandon, how many miles most of you have traveled in a day in, in the trucking? Over 600. So, but, I mean, we don't, we don't really think about that. That's, that's all in a day's work, right? We don't think about that. They had to think about this. I mean, let's just be real. This, this, this was a challenge in that day. Travel was not as easy. And, and they were traveling. They were doing this travel much on foot, perhaps some by, by animal, but they were traveling, and they filled up. They satisfied the will of God. They did what God had called them to do. This was monumental undertaking. This wasn't all in a day's work. This was much work, as we said a moment ago. It could have been one to two years of time that they were out on this gospel missionary journey. In John 4 and verse 34, Jesus said this, My meat, my sustenance, my nourishment is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Let me read that again. Jesus declared to you and me, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Their number one goal and what they accomplished was to finish the will of God. He's called us to do this work. He set us apart out of the church of Antioch to do this work. And they went and completed it. And they were recommended to the grace of God for this work, which they fulfilled. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to come to the end of a day or a month or a year and to know in your heart that you have accomplished the will of God? I was thinking about that yesterday. How is it that we can come to the end of a day and know that we have accomplished the will of God? You know, there's a 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 tells us that in everything that we are to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's many times the Bible tells us what is the will of God for us to do. The will of God is for us to grow in Christ's likeness. Did I say yes to God in everything he showed me through his word today? Did I have a thankful spirit? Did I love as I ought to have loved? My God, my family, my wife, others, my neighbor, did I love? Did I seek forgiveness and, and restitution with anyone that I wronged? This is the will of God. This is the will of God. Did I share the gospel? Did I share the gospel with anyone that Christ put in my place and connected my path with? Did I share Christ? This is the will of God. So many things that are the will of God. Our number one goal for every day must be to embrace and to complete the will of God with His grace. With his grace, what is the will of God for you? Are you embracing that like they did? Are you completing it like they did? Or are there some things in your life that you know is the will of God and you need to take care of? I love how they came to the end of their journey and it was said by the Holy Spirit that they completed the work which they fulfilled. Let's be a church. Let's be a believers who complete the will of God. Not just start something. You know, it's easy to start something, isn't it? It's hard to finish. Uh, at some point, about one-third of the way in, it seems like it gets difficult, right? Let's, let's be a church that finishes our work. 
Let's be a church and let's be an individual that finishes and completes the will of God and so that we can rest our heads on our pillows at night and say, I have completed the will of God that he has revealed to me and have that confidence before the Lord. This is not a boasting thing. The Holy Spirit was writing this about him. And by the way, I want the Lord to look at my life and say that he completed, that I completed his work, that I finished his work. That's what we want. We want that perspective most of all. So now they're home, and they're going to give a report. Verse number 27, look at it with me. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, when they had come and gathered the church together, this is really interesting because they reported on God's accomplishments in this moment, and the church was interested in this. It seems to me that the church gathered together in this time at a special time. It does not uh, say when the church had gathered together as a a normal gathering of the week. It seems like this is what happened to me. I I can't be dogmatic on it, but it seems like this is the case, that they came into town. It might have been a Monday. It might have been a Tuesday. I don't know what day it was, but it seems that they came into town. Word got around. They said, all right, let's all get together there on there where we meet, and let's hear a report from our missionaries that we sent out. It's so good to see them, and they gathered them together. They gathered them together. So the church was very interested in this report. They gathered together, and it was an amazing thing as they were finally able to see Paul and Barnabas, who they had sent out, and this extra meeting, they're going to hear what God had done. Why was this church interested in what was going on there? Why was the church of Antioch interested in a report? Reports can sometimes be, well, you know, reports can be, was a report. it's, It's happened in the past, it's a report. And sometimes we can take a a look at that. But no, they gathered together and were interested in this. They were interested in what was going on. I'm reminded Philippians 1 and verse number 5. Paul said to the Philippian believers, he gave thanks to God for this, for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. For their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you understand how important it is to realize that there was a partnership between Antioch and Paul and Barnabas, there was a gospel partnership. This wasn't just something that, you know, this is two friends of ours that are going up there and uh, they're going to do their thing, we're going to keep doing our thing. They were vested in this. I have believed that they were vested in it financially, they were vested in it prayerfully. I can imagine as the church of Antioch was known in Acts chapter 13 for gathering together for prayer and fasting, that they didn't all of a sudden stop when they saw Paul and Barnabas off on their way uh, over to Cyprus. I imagine they still got together for prayer and fasting together for what was going on in this missionary journey. I don't know how often they got to hear back what was going on along the way, but I imagine uh, that they were continuing to pray and, and have prayer for them. So they gathered together and they demonstrate interest in this report because they were partners in the gospel. Do you know what? One of the things on a very purely practical level Um, as you've received this year missionaries to reach out to and to adopt and to contact, do you know what you're doing? You're engaging in exactly what, what the Church of Antioch did by showing interest in what's going on in their lives, in in their ministry. There's a partnership there. We don't want to just send money to folks and say, you know, sayonara, right, Brother Wayne? We, we want, we want to be partnered with them. And there's always this little bit of, uh, of tension, you know, there's, in the sense that we, we, we do this, there's a formality to it, the checks go out, we give to our missions program, the checks go out, and there's distance, 
uh, there's, there's formality to the program, but we, we never want to lose the fact that we are partners with these folks in gospel ministry. We're partners in what is happening over in, in Kenya. We're partners in what is happening in Australia. We're partners in, in what is happening over in Ireland. We're partners with these missionaries as they preach the gospel, as the Petersons stand up and on Sunday morning, I don't know what the time difference is right now, but as they stand up in, in Germany and proclaim the gospel and preach that, as, uh, as uh, Brother Bloyd, I believe it is, uh, on Sunday was preaching from the book of Romans, uh, uh, today, Romans chapter number one, we're partners in what is happening in that, uh, in that mission field there in, in Italy. And so there is, there is uh, a partnership there. And I want to just to be real practical here this morning, because this is kind of a practical passage of Scripture. Do you realize that every single month, around $4,500 is sent out from Grace Baptist Church, from our missions fund, to 38 missionaries around the world. Now, these are specific missionaries. All of them have come through this, this church. We are not sending our funds to a cooperative board that then sends money out, and we believe that. We believe very strongly about that. In fact, one of our missionaries this, this week, uh, he, he bemoaned how many independent Baptists are going uh, back into that, in that style of in, into that style of, uh, of church work where there is even greater distance between the people and the missionaries they support. So we're connected. Every missionary that is listed out here on this board, we've had through the church, they've presented to us, we get prayer letters from them, and they've been divvied up, and you've taken them as, as a, an assignment this year, as an adoption this year to reach out to them, sending out $4,500 a month to these. Now, think about that. That means that we have an obligation to them financially. We have an obligation to them prayerfully, and in an even greater way prayerfully, really. We have an obligation to them. But could I just encourage you, as we think about partnering with these, these missionaries, could I just encourage you, be faithful. Don't lose sight of what we're doing on a day-to-day -day and a week-to-week -week basis here at Grace Baptist Church. This is, not, this, is, this is part of our job. We have a, a duty to reach our own Jerusalem. We do. Look out here at the map and see our progress as we continue to tell people about Jesus, and we're going to do some more talking about that next week as we talk about what we're going to do for Easter and, and so on, how we're going to reach out during that, that time. We have an obligation here, but we have an obligation around the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, and these missionaries are partnering with us to take the gospel to different places. What a blessing that is. And so let's be faithful at that. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know about this whole giving to missions thing. Let me encourage you in this way. If you've begun tithing and, and supporting what God is doing here in the, the church here, I encourage you, uh, be faithful at that. Above, over and above, this is what I do, over and above my, my tithe, I give a specific percentage to our missions fund so that we can keep on sending out those checks and keep on encouraging these missionaries along the way. And this is a really exciting thing to be a part of. Now, um, today, we were supposed to have Miss Kim Heimroll here. She's back for just a little bit from Brazil um, in the States. And, and in fact, we, we talked this week. She's going to stay a little bit longer. Perhaps she's watching this morning. Uh, she's not able to be here. She uh, uh, emailed me late last night. Uh, she got a flat tire. And she realized it was flat after all the, all the car places had closed. So, she, uh, Lord willing, she'll be able to kind of update us and give us a testimony about the Lord's work uh, through her and uh, next week. But um, sh she's been here. We've supported her, I calculated the months, for 302 months, right? 
1995, I believe is the, uh, the date, and uh, Rose Heimrel was the, uh, um, was, is her mom, she's moved up into Tipton, uh, the Tipton area, but uh, Kim Heimrel is a missionary that is sent out from our church, and she's been a blessing down there in Brazil uh, to, uh, to the, the mission work down there, but her ultimate goal is the gospel, and we get to partner with her in what she is doing down there and being a blessing to the church. This Wednesday night, we're going uh, to hear from the Weber family, Chuck Weber and his family. We started supporting them back in 2016, early 2016. They are in Mongolia, and uh, they're, a, they're a sweet family. Brother Weber had heart surgery. Some of you have been praying about that. He had heart surgery, and so he's still in the States because of that. And so they're going to come through, and they're going to update us on where they are. This wasn't a, a scheduled furlough, but they're going to update us on, on where they are and share how the Lord is working in his life. And I appreciate it. They'll, they'll get in tomorrow. They'll be here uh, un, until Thursday. In fact, if, if, if you want to uh, be a blessing to them along the way, uh, they'll be here get a hold of us. Let us know how you want to be a blessing to them. Maybe uh, um, bring over some uh, dinner or whatever, get together with them. But they're a blessing of a family. And you know what? Sometimes as a pastor, I'll get calls from a, uh, from a, a missionary and they'll say, uh, Pastor, we'd like to kind of schedule with you to come through and report. We're going to be back in the States at this time and we'd like to schedule with you. You know, I try to jump on that and send them an email right back and say, what's your time frame? What's the easiest for you? And uh, a lot of times we'll get a, a, a comment back from our missionaries saying something, well, thanks for being so quick, or thanks for just being flexible. Because these missionaries, they'll come back to the States to report to churches like ours, and sometimes they're trying to work out all these pastor schedules, and sometimes a church wants them at this time, and only at this time, and, and not at this time, and, and it doesn't work. You know what, I've just kind of committed to say, if one of our missionaries that we support calls me and asks to come by and uh, report, they're welcome even if it's inconvenient to us. You know why? Because we're partners with them. They're our friends. Now, uh, the Webers, we didn't send out of the church here, but we, as a church, are supporting them on a monthly basis, and we're, we, are, we are partners with them in gospel work. And so this Wednesday night, you know what? It might take you a little bit extra effort to get off work and come here in your work clothes, but you know what? I'd do anything in the world if you have a heart for missions to be here on Wednesday night. That was weak. No, I'm, I'm, I'm for real. I, I, I'm just sharing from my heart because you know, even in the back of my mind, I say, well, you know, Lord, Wednesday nights, we're spread out all over the building. But as a, as a church, we support these individuals. This is when they can come. I want to hear this report. I, I'm interested in hearing because me personally, me and my family, we're giving to their work there in Mongolia. And yes, he's had to come back for a heart, you know, some heart issues, but I want to hear what God's doing in their lives, and I want to be able to shake his hand, and I want to be able to encourage their family along the way, and I know that's your heart too. So as they come, we do that. And, and so I'm just trying to be a little bit transparent with you. Uh, this is what goes on. We don't always get to plan ahead for when a missionary comes through. We want them to come through because we're partners with them. And we want to be interested in what they're, they're reporting on. And ultimately, they're reporting on the accomplishments of of God. So could I encourage you, let's stay interested in what God is doing through our missions. You say, I don't know what's going on. Get, get in the know. Uh, get the prayer letters. Get on one of the prayer letters of uh, the, uh, the missionaries' uh, uh, email um, prayer chains and, and allow God to, to bless your heart with what's going on. Friend them on Facebook. Get connected with them. We live in a connected world. 
It's all accessible to you, and, uh, and, and I'd encourage you in that way. Be interested in what is going on like this church at Antioch was. that gathered together kind of at an off time, it seems, to hear this report. And then the missionaries informed the assembly. Look in verse 27. They rehearsed all that God had done with them. Let's say that together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them. They rehearsed it. What's the idea of that? It's to bring back a message to announce to disclose. Here's what happened. Here's what happened on our missionary journey. We want you to know every detail. Now, what's interesting about this is uh, it seems that it went on for a while. Uh, the tense of the verb that, that is used here by the Holy Spirit is that they rehearsed and they rehearsed and they rehearsed and they rehearsed. So it went on for a while. This was a long report. How do you, how do you take one to two years of ministry how do you take being stoned in the streets of Lystra and being run out of Antioch and uh, going to a pagan city down in Derby and condense it into 15 minutes, right? It doesn't happen. So they, they, they were reporting. And the spirit of this report, I want us to notice this. The spirit of this report on Paul and Barnabas' side, it was given in full. They rehearsed all that God had done. Not just the highlights, but they had rehearsed all that God had done. It was full. They wanted to hear this, and Paul and Barnabas wanted to share it. It was done with humility. I, this really blessed my heart when I noticed this. They rehearsed all that God had done. That God had done, that's noted, with them. With them. Who's the doer? God is. Listen, every Everything that happens, every work of God, every spiritual work of God that happens through your life is an act of God. You and I both know that we don't have the know-how, the wits, the, the smarts to be able to enact spiritual change in other people's life. If something happened of spiritual value through your life, it was God. And they rehearsed all that God had done with them. In fact, I like to think of it like this. They, they portrayed themselves back to their home church as getting to tag along with God as he accomplished work in Cyprus, in Antioch, in Lystra, in Iconium, and over in Derby. We got to be tag-alongs with God in this wonderful work. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 9, for we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. And what a great thing it is to, to be reminded of that each one of our missionaries and us as believers serving the Lord, we do work with God. He allows us to tag along with him in the work that he's called us to do. He is the one that bears the burden. In fact, when Jesus told us in Matthew 11 and verses 28 through 30 to come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is? All right? It's meant for work. The yoke that Jesus is referring to there is a training yoke. It was meant to be hooked to a mature, powerful creature, to a new, a new creature, a, a, a creature that, that didn't have the ability to pull as much and to learn to walk beside. Just learn to get in the yoke and walk beside. It was a, well, we could call it like this, a discipleship yoke a training yoke. And aren't you thankful this morning that he's the doer? He's the one pulling the weight, and we simply get to walk together beside our Savior in the work he's called to do. And that, you know that how much fear that takes out of soul winning? 
You know how much fear that takes out of discipling and encouraging other people? Do you know how that helps me to go through my day when if I will rely on him? The problem is, is oftentimes I try to, as the one being trained, I try to lead ahead. Right? And I try to get ahead of him. I try to pull the burden that he did not expect me to pull. I try to tell him what to do. This is the way it ought to be done. I don't know if you've ever had to train somebody in a job, but when the trainee begins to tell the trainor how it's to be done, we got a problem, right? But we do that all the time with Jesus. But Paul and Barnabas, they reminded the church, this is what God did with us. This isn't what we did with God. This is what God did with us. We can learn a whole lot from this report, and even the way that we talk about our our own accomplishments and successes in, in the work of the Lord. May we always be a church and may we be a people who, who constantly uphold God. This is what God did in my Sunday school class with me. This is what God did in this person's life with me. And giving him the full credit for what he has done. It was a humble report. They simply uh, accompanying God and what God had accomplished, but it was also faith-inspiring. Notice there in verse number 27, and how specifically and how he opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. What? This is pretty amazing. I mean, as the home church are hearing about this, you mean, you mean that God is, is sending his gospel to completely pagan areas? Yes! That's what's happening. And do you mean that there are people in those pagan towns like Derby that open up their hearts to the gospel and they receive Jesus Christ? Yes, that's what happened. What an amazing, amazing thing. This was a mammoth, a mammoth uh, move of God in that day. God was working in a special way. He opened up the door and their faith was no doubt inspired there in Antioch of Syria as they heard what God was doing in pagan lands. When we hear of what God is doing and bringing revivals to different lands around the world, when we think that one of the fastest growing places for a church, church or the church of Christ right now in all the world is in the, one of the most persecuted areas in the world, and that being Iran. China, China, uh, churches are growing, Christianity is growing at a rapid rate. What an encouragement that is, isn't it? And that's all God, that's all God we can't put a face, hardly one of us could put a face and a name to the work of God that's going on in China right now. But it's going on. It's going on as God works together with individual servants of Christ. And so what an inspiring report that this was. God is opening up the doors to the Gentiles. This was what God wanted from the beginning. Uh, Paul preached this in Acts 13 and verse 47. He preached this to the Jewish, uh, the Jewish audience that was there. Hey, listen, God wanted to use you to be a light to the Gentiles. He wanted to use you to encourage the, the Gentiles and, 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 and bring, uh, help them to understand salvation. And so this is exactly what God has done. He's brought the gospel to the Gentiles through Paul and Barnabas. What an inspiration. What an inspiration as they come back and report to this church. And I don't know how, uh, what we'll be able to hear on Wednesday night, what we'll be able to hear next, uh, next Sunday by way of testimony, but, you know, I want to hear, my ear is going to be tuned in, what is God doing? Uh, if it's small or big, what is God doing? What is God doing with these folks that he's allowed us to partner with? But notice this in verse number 28. Let's read verse number 28 together. Ready? Begin. 
and there they abode long time with the disciples. All right, so that's kind of a conclusive verse and seems insignificant. But I want us to realize that after they had come back and reported, they recuperated with God's people. They recuperated with God's people. You say, now what in the world? Why does the great apostle Paul need recuperation? I'll tell you why, he was stoned. <laughs> he, uh, he was run out of almost every city he went into. Uh, this was no easy task. And what I want us to realize this morning and, and take a little bit of time to, to understand is they needed recuperation. And you know, so don't our missionaries today. They need recuperation. In fact, uh, this week, I, I just spent a little bit of time as I was studying for this to pull our missionaries as well as pull some pastors and missionaries here in the States in, in, a, in a, uh, an online connection group and just get some feedback from them that would help us. I, I want us to understand this. Every job is difficult, right? Work is difficult. God said as a part of the curse, our work would be difficult, right? So every job is difficult. I understand that. Um, I, my background, the first job I had was, uh, was in, in painting, contracting, uh, home painting, and interior, exterior, uh, from about the age of 15 to, uh, to the age, I guess, of uh, 19. And then I, uh, when I went into college, I, uh, I got a construction job and worked part-time in college, but also in the summers I worked uh, full-time, a lot of full-time. Uh, like, the boss allowed me to have as many hours as I wanted, so I'd work oftentimes till 1 o'clock in the morning, and then go home, about a half-hour drive sometimes, go home, get back there at 8 o'clock, and just work, because that's how I made money to get through college, I was paying my way. And so, uh, it, it was a great experience. One of the things I thank God for at this part in life is for that experience, the experience of the job, of the job world, the day-to-day -day job, job world, uh, know, knowing some of that, but also knowing the pressures that, that it is to be a believer, to go to work on a Wednesday, get off, run home, get a shower, grab a bite to eat, run into church. And you know what? I, I did that. That, that, was, that was the pattern. Uh, to, to not, I, 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 I still needed as a believer to form my life around God and the things of God. And so that was important. But more than that, just realizing the daily pressure that goes on in the work world. It's, it's a big thing. But something I have learned, and maybe from time to time you hear a pastor or a, a preacher say, boy, uh, you know, sometimes there's, there's unique pressures that, that folks might not understand that go on in the ministry apart from actually walking in those shoes. And from being on both sides of it, friends, I, I can tell you there, there are days... And, and I'll, I'm going to be really, really transparent. There are days when the pressure of ministry is at the point where I wish I could go and work for a day and clock in and clock out, right? Now, I'm, not, I'm not complaining at all. I love what God has called me to do. But, you know, friends, there is a real sense where, where there is a clock in and clock out. Now, if you own a business, you understand that there's no clock out, right, Brother Steve? You know, there's, no, there's just no clock out, right, Brother Dennis? There's, there's just... There's, there's a pressure there that you have. You understand that, that pressure. But, but I want us to realize Paul and Barnabas are missionaries, pastors that come through. There is, a, there is a real sense where that gospel work uh, requires a physical, a mental, and a spiritual exertion that is very real. That is very real. In fact, um, as I was thinking about that, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 15, Paul said it this way, 
I will gladly, or I will very gladly, spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Now, he said, I'm very glad. There is something, a a God-called person, a God-called missionary evangelist, missionary evangelist, uh, a God-called pastor, it is something that they, they, they've said, oh, I have received this call, and it's a great thing. There's burdens, there's pressures, yes, but it's a great thing. He says, I'm going to very gladly spend. Uh, When they called Paul on the telephone, he was very ready and happy to, to spend energy, to spend spiritual energy to spend mental energy in that in that moment uh, very i'm very glad to do that i will uh, very gladly spend and be spent it was a personal choice on his part to spend and to allow others to spend him do you understand there's there's the there's the active choice i'm going to spend for others but there are times that others spend me and, and Paul understood that, especially as he dealt with the Corinthian believers. And so, Paul said the more that he sacrificed in love, the more that he expended himself, it seemed like the less he was loved. The more that he shared God's truth, it seemed like the less people loved him and, and wanted to say, yes, Paul, we're with you, because sometimes they got disgruntled and got their nosemen out of shape and, and so forth. And he says, the more I love, the, well, it seems like the less I be loved. And here's something I want us to to take from a from kind of a, a pastor's perspective, pastor missionary perspective, um, I, I I put out a, a, a poll question this this week to help uh, to see what the apostle Paul was saying in real life, get some insight. Um, you know, an iceberg has has two two parts to it, right? What you can see above water and what you can not see below the water, right? You know, if I were to ask you, um, what I'm doing right now, honestly, is the highlight of the week. Being able to, to communicate God's truth in the best way, it, it really is. It's the highlight. I ask pastors, what, what, is, what is what causes you, pastors and missionaries, what is what causes you, or, uh, is the, the greatest expenditure to you of, of effort? You know what? Not one of them actually selected preaching. Now, the preparation for preaching they, they, they selected. The getting the message, that, that, that's, that's uh, the, the actual, yeah, it takes, it takes work. Communication takes work. But at the end of the day, it's the delight. If you're an extrovert, sometimes you walk away from it just completely energized. Um, but, but most of them said, you know, the preaching, that's kind of the highlight. That's, that's oftentimes what we see in our missionaries and in, our, in, in pastors. We see what is above the surface, we see that ministry, and we think, well, that's pretty easy. Uh, that, you know, that seems like they're energized. That, that's, that's, that's the great part of it. And yes, but you know, below the surface for our missionaries and for pastors and those that are in gospel ministry, do you realize that there are many burdens and pressures that exactly fulfill what Paul says, I will most glad, very gladly spend and be spent? We're talking about this need for recuperation because a, a missionary might be on the field and work for a long time and disciple somebody that they're hoping that will take this church and will become the national pastor for that church so they could have uh, seen the Lord establish an indigenous church, a church that is self-supporting and self-financing and self-governing and self, uh, uh, self-propagating and they can establish this indi- indigenous church and then this person slips up and gets into wrong doctrine 
or slips up and falls into sin. Right, Brother Snyder? And so you have, you have, this, you have this, this struggle. Do you know what, what drains a missionary? Is that type of thing. You know what drains a missionary? Is, is disunity within, among the believers that they're, they're leading and discipling. Or disagreement. Or disgruntled believers. Or just the day-to-day pressure of, of, trying, to, uh, of trying to deal with uh, um, living in a foreign land and dealing with visas. And, and in this past year, you can be guaranteed dealing with, with the, the restrictions and the, just the response to, um, to COVID. You can, you can be guaranteed many of our missionaries are struggling from fatigue and need some recuperation after being through this year. They have a great burden. We're not able to be together. And I was talking to one of our missionaries. She says, I finally got to attend in the Philippines. I finally got to attend a live in-person service. It was such a blessing. Would you please pray that we'll be able to get back to that? The need for recuperation. There is is a massive amount of, of pressure. There's a massive amount of physical exertion, the spending and being spent that they do in ministry. And you can be guaranteed, Paul and Barnabas, as they went along the way, as they came back to Antioch, they were spent. They were spent. So why did they spend a long time there in Antioch? Because they were spent. This is a reality. I'm trying to, to the best of my ability, help us to understand as a church so that we can understand how to interact. Now, we all get spent. I understand that, but there is a, a, a certain spiritual exertion that happens in the part of those that are engaged in gospel ministry, full-time gospel ministry, that is very, very real and that we ought to understand. Um, so if we, can, if we can just put it on the iceberg for a second, preaching might be the thing you know, we all see. We, we hear our missionaries, they're, they're preaching on Sunday. One of our missionaries is preaching in the book of Romans and is excited about that. That's, that's the great part. But one of the greatest burdens that causes, what causes that spiritual exertion, the, just the draining of energy, the spending, is when there's, there's struggles with believers. You know, what the Bible says, it's blessed. It's blessed when brethren dwell together in unity. It's blessed to God, but you know what? Those that serve the Lord, it's a great, it's a great burden when there is disunity, when there's a struggle between believers, when the believer's going off into sin, and walking away from the Lord and won't hear admonition, won't hear counsel, and, and saying, you know what, I, I know, even though I'm going against the word of God, I, I know I'm going the right way. It's a great spiritual burden. And, and the pastors in the, in the, the study that, that I did, they put that right up at the top. That's my greatest burden on a week-to-week basis is the, spirit, the spiritual well-being, the spiritual response of God's people. What a great burden. And you can mark it down that Paul and Barnabas had that as well. I, I give you a quote from one missionary we do not support in, uh, in Romania. For me, speaking of being spent, it's when everything is going great, the church is growing, there's love among the believers, then someone turns back into sin. That absolutely drains me. So one of the ways that we can pray for our missionaries is, Lord, as they face this, would you give them your grace? Jesus faced this with Judas and with, and with Peter. Peter knew better. Jesus faced this. Would you give them your grace to face that? John Mark quit in the middle of this journey. What do you think it was like for Paul and Barnabas to have this young man coming alongside of them, and then he says up and, uh, you know, I'm done. Do you think John Mark went and counseled with the apostle Paul before he made that decision to go back home? 
You think he came? Would you pray with me? I'm thinking of quitting. You know how this turned up? Just like it happens today. The same way it happens today among believers. You know what? Pastor, I'm going to inform you that I'm done. I'm going to inform you that I'm leaving. And this is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. Do you think that drained the Apostle Paul? Yes. May we be more resolved to pray and encourage our missionaries who will need recuperation. When they come through, they need recuperation. Uh, you know, when I think about missionaries come through, sometimes they'll ask, well, how can we get involved? Well, I appreciate that heart. But you know what? Rest. Rest. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, encourage, encourage us by sharing what God is doing through your life, but we're glad you're here. Um, but notice the place of recuperation. I hope that gives you a sense of the need. I can't stay much longer there, but I hope it gives you a sense of the need, the burden that is on a missionary or a pastor. But notice the place of recuperation. They abode there a long time with the disciples. They abode in their home church. They came back home. They assembled. The pastor got up and preached, and they were in, the, in there taking notes and, and, and enjoying the preaching of the word, being, enjoying being preached to rather than uh, preaching. They assembled with the, the, um, the disciples there. They learned alongside of them. Do missionaries find today, do missionaries find recuperation simply by coming back to the States? Now listen, I sent out an email to every one of our missionaries this week, and the, the, the title of the missionary was, uh, the, the email was this, I need your insight. And uh, here this morning, I printed them out so that you can realize, I'm not going to go through every one of them, but I, I printed it out so that you can realize I got a bunch of insights from our missionaries this week that when they come back on furlough, they are not coming back for a vacation, and not a one of them complained. In fact, what I found amazing is how, how many of them tried to be so positive, but I knew, I knew this, was, this is the fact. Furlough is not a vacation. Let's say that with, uh, together. Furlough is not a vacation. You say, what is furlough? Many times, Brother Snyder, I, I think I'm correct, four years is, is a typical term. Four, two? Okay. But typically, a, a, a furlough, sometimes they can be six months, sometimes they can be a year long. Um, it depends on, on the, different, the different missionaries' uh, field and the conditions there on the field, what they need to do for the field. But understand, when they come back and they're traveling around, yeah, they get to travel around in the United States and, and stop at rest stops, and they, they get to go to gas stations and eat food and go through McDonald's and feed their family on Happy Meals. It's a vacation. No, not at all. And I want us to realize every time a missionary comes through here to, uh, to, to gain support, they've not all, uh, to, to, to report on the work, they've not just come back from a vacation of foreign land. It's not a vacation over there. And in reality, where the way that we do missions today, it's not a vacation as they travel around and report. It's a great, it's a great strain. Now, there's some encouragement that comes along from meeting new faces and reporting on the work of God. There is a spiritual encouragement that comes along with that, but it's not a vacation. We need to understand that every time a missionary comes through the door, we need to understand the Webbers are, have not been on a vacation. They may come in here this week, and you know what? I am thankful to the Lord that they can camp out in our missions apartment for the next three, four days and just be in one place. You know, I'm going to reach out to them. I want to take them out to lunch. I want to take care of their family. I want to take care of them uh, while they're here. Why? Because they need some recuperation. And we're not their home church, but we get to have the delight of having a place where they can stay and be blessed in that way. So the insight from our missionaries is sometimes they return to the field very tired. 
exhausted. Let me give you some numbers here. Um, the, ba uh, the Bachmans, they have 33 churches that support them in 15 states. The last furlough they traveled, 11,500 miles. Uh, the bars, to the ministry to the death, uh, they're here in the states, so they're, they're, their reporting is spread out. We're working on a time to get them back here. 48 churches in 13 states. Uh, the Knoxes, 20 churches in 8 states, 40,000 miles that they traveled. Their churches must be more spread out. Uh, Amanda Baker, 36 churches in 13 states, 10 individuals that support her. She hasn't been on furlough yet, but expects to travel a lot of miles. The Trometers, 35 churches in 8 states, 35,000 miles in their last furlough. Like, well, I didn't do that in a year, friends. Just realize, maybe this way, when you hear a missionary's coming through here, be here. Why? They have done a lot to be here and report to us. In fact, I've gotten to the point where some of the missionaries have say, please, I know it's going to add a whole bunch of miles onto your trip. Please send us a video. Like, I, I understand. We want to see you, and I want you here, but I, I, I know you are exerting extreme physical energy to be here. Um, Miss uh, Sarah Morris, 19 churches in nine states, hasn't taken a furlough yet. The Messlers, 40 churches in 12 states, 8,000 uh, miles per furlough. They, they've bunched theirs together, so they try to split it up. Uh, half the churches uh, um, per furlough. Uh, the Bloyds, 29, in, uh, 29 churches that support them in 13 states, three different countries, 20, uh, 10 to 15,000 miles. The Perezes, which they're going to be coming in May, 51 churches in 13 states, 27,000 miles. The Webbers, they will have traveled uh, some 5,300 miles um, from February to April, 82 churches in 25 states. Stelzig, 66 churches in 13 states. They will have traveled, will travel 25,000 miles when they come back for furlough, and it's just 4,500 miles just to get back to their home church from the Northwest Territory. Okay, do we realize this isn't a vacation? That is an extreme expenditure, and, I, and, and I'm, not here to, I'm not here to debate. I, I really wish that we could see a little bit of change in the way that, that this is for, for missionaries, but I am thankful for every missionary that is willing to come back and report in this church of the wonderful works of God and realize when they come in here, we need to, do every, we need to treat them like gold and, and bless them in every way possible. Uh, ladies, you can get involved in the blessing bags and, and, and so forth of just encouraging them. But do you know what's happened here? They abode in their home church. That word abode means to take and vigorously rub out the time. They took the clocks off the wall. They threw away the calendars. And they just were with the disciples in their home church. Brother Bachman, our missionary over to Morocco, he gave me this, uh, this statement in reply to the email. He says, on furlough, it is the most recuperating thing to attend our home church to be spiritually refreshed by the word and fellowship. This is also physically refreshing to be in one place for a while, which hasn't been the case for most of our other furloughs. You know what he said? I did not prompt him that. I just simply asked, what recuperates? And I'm thankful for all the missionaries uh, that, that, uh, uh, that wrote back. What recuperates you? And several of them said, there's nothing more recuperating than simply being in our home church, hearing our pastor, and being with the believers at our home church. That's awesome. Because that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. And I talked to the, the director of GFA, uh, Mark Batori, the, uh, this week, and I said, 
Brother, we need to encourage our missionaries when they come back from the field, get to your home church and camp out for a month. Or more, you know, just camp out. Get refreshed in the work. How many of you realize that if they're going to continue to be faithful in the field, they need some recuperation? And so I, I say all this, I hope this gives you some insight into uh, to what's uh, going on presently as we see what happened with Paul and Barnabas. This is a great, this is an amazing amazingly practical passage of scripture three verses that really help us to uh, understand how they were connected at Antioch with their missionaries and how they interacted when they came back home what a blessing turn to Romans chapter 5 uh, 15 and verse number 29 it is one of our greatest privileges in all of the world as at Grace Baptist Church to partner with gospel preaching missionaries around the world whether they're sent out from us whether they grew up here or, or sent out it is one of our greatest privileges to be able to partner with them, to financially support them, to prayerfully support them, to send them an email. And I want us to notice in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 29, Paul speaking to this church. In verse number on 32, he says this, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be with you refreshed. May be with you refreshed. You know why I pray? I pray that Grace Baptist Church is like the Roman church to the Apostle Paul. I pray that, that when missionaries come here, that they would simply be refreshed. Boy, that church took care of us. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't let us go away with an empty gas tank. They didn't let us go away with, without a love offering. They didn't, oh, but we already support them. Give them a love offering. Do you know what it takes money to travel 35,000 miles? Do you know that car tires wear out? You say, well, they should put that in your budget. And how does that work in your family? You know what I'm talking about? It costs money. You know, God blesses a cheerful giver, not a stingy giver. You say, we're talking a lot about money here this morning. We're talking about the gospel going forward. And we're talking about being able to encourage and bless. What, what an encouragement it is for Whoever comes through and reports to be sent off with a, a special love offering saying, hey, we love you. We love you. And money's not everything. You, know, you need our prayer, but we love you. And, and here's how we're going to communicate some love to you. And we sacrifice in that way, and we refresh them on their way with fellowship, with gifts, with giving them attention. We want to hear what God's done through your life. And so let me ask you this personally. Let's not, you know, sometimes it's easy to look at church. Okay, this is what happens in the church, right? So the church does this, the program of the church, the, the machine of the church does this. Now listen, how can you personally be a part of rejuvenating one of our missionaries this week? How can you be a part of personally rejuvenating one of our missionaries this week? Well, a good place to start would be to open up your browser, your email browser this, this week and connect with that missionary that you've taken. You say, I don't have one. Well, we'll give you one. See Brother Snyder right after the service, right? We'll give you, you, we'll give you one. But connect with them. I asked our, the one that we, that we have adopted, I asked, I'd like to have a Zoom meeting with you and, with you and your wife and, and, and our family. We can just get together and fellowship that way for a little bit. Pray together fellowship, maybe eat on Zoom together, you know, you eat there, we'll eat here, we'll eat American, you eat Mexican, 
and uh, just, just spend some time with them, right? How can we rejuvenate them? I sent our, all of our missionaries our year in review from last year that the, the Coxes put together on that we watch in Vision Sunday. Why? I want them to know that God's working here. Tell them what God's doing in your life. Tell them what your perspective of God working in the church. Tell them what God's doing in your class. Tell them about the people that you're praying for. Uh, connect with them. Uh, rejoice with them in what God has done. You read in a prayer letter, this is what God has done. Write them back and say, praise God. This is wonderful. We're so delighted that God is working that you get to see him do that with you. Reach out to them with what God has done for you. Proverbs 25, 25, as cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Good news. This is what God's doing. Give that back to them. So I know this is a lot more practical in nature. This is where the Lord has us in the book of Acts. And I hope that it gives you a perspective of both what's going on with our missionaries, with pastors, and, and so on, but specifically with our missionaries as they come through. May we just encourage them, and we have a perfect opportunity. I didn't plan this, but we have a perfect opportunity uh, this Wednesday next, and next Sunday. Let's just encourage them. Let's love on our missionaries and love them for what they're doing and, and, and encourage them along the way, and that'll go a long way to us participating in the gospel. Would you bow with me in prayer for a moment? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.